KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hey, it's Elizabeth McQueen, the host of this song. And if you dig conversations like the ones we have on this podcast, then I want to let you know about a podcast that our sister station, KUT, produces called the write-up. It's hosted by Owen Edgerton, and in each episode, he chats with different writers about all the things you and I love to hear about, creativity and inspiration and the artistic process. You can find it in the podcast area of KUT.org or on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now let's get started with the show. Hello and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and in this episode, you'll hear from Andra Day and Adia Victoria. And these interviews, both of them, they went to the places I love to go to when I'm talking to artists. We started talking about songs, and we ended up talking about, like, faith and God and life journeys and artistic origin stories. It's all the good stuff. So let's get started. First up, Andra Day. She's a singer and a songwriter who hails from San Diego and whose 2015 record, Cheers to the Fall, references classic R&B and soul in a way that sounds more like a continuation of those styles than any kind of throwback. And she's got a voice. I mean, she can sing. And we at KUTX, the radio station in Austin, Texas, where this podcast is made, we were witness to the power of her voice. She came into Studio 1A, our gorgeous performance space, and sang in front of an audience of about 70 people. And it was just days after the Orlando shootings. And it was just her and a piano player. And one of the songs she sang was this song she wrote called Rise Up. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, the entire audience had this shared, cathartic moment. We were all in tears, myself included, all feeling feelings that we'd been having a hard time processing. And we were all doing it together. We were connected through her, through her music. Afterwards, Andrew Day sat down with me and told me about an artist and a song that showed her that that connection was possible to create. So here she is, Andrew Day. One song that transformed me was Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. When I first heard that song, first of all, hearing her voice for the first time just unlocked a world of music to me. It was really... Her and Nina Simone were sort of my foray into jazz. That was my sort of discovery process. But when I heard Strange Fruit, the content of that song is so 
jarring when you listen to it. It's There's no way, whether it was back then or even right now to this day, it's so shocking to hear it, you know, and I just thought, wow, you know, the conviction in the song and how you could feel the pain of everything that she had been witnessing around her, you know, whether she was in music or just growing up. Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood at the root. The way it translated on record for me was like, I don't want to do anything but tell this kind of truth. I don't want to do anything but tell this kind of pain or tell this kind of joy, you know, but for a song to reach out and grab you and to, to get a message across like that, like it really changed my approach to music and to being genuine and authentic in, in, in writing and in your delivery of, of a musical composition. Was that the first song that you heard Billie Holiday sing? That was the first one. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a second. <laughs> so it was the wow. first one I heard by Nina Simone was I Put a Spell on You and her voice. Oh. She literally put a spell on me. I put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. Her voice reached out from behind the speaker and just grabbed me and drew me. And it was center of the chest. Yeah, her voice, the the tone, it's weighted. You know, that tone like just makes a statement and says, I'm here and I'm going to say what I have to say. And so, you know, with Strange Fruit, it was the way that it crept in. You know, it was just sort of, I, I felt like I had happened upon something and I was watching. It's very voyeuristic, like, oh, I'm watching something I shouldn't be watching. You know, it was really the most, really, it was a, musically a life-changing experience for me you know what it is it's hearing first of all the term strange fruit you know what I mean like it just sort of implies how ubiquitous bodies hanging from trees were you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then when she says the bulging eyes like oh you can it's so visual and I'm just like wow you know it really is and it is a very dark 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 history you know but I think artists like her and singing about it and talking about it it is as dark as it sounds in the song, it is a light, you know, because it's somebody saying, I have to, this struggle cannot be silent forever, you know? And so that was sort of, you know, a continuation and starting of of things and on down to, you know, Rosa Parks and the Civil Rights Movement. I mean, there's all sort of a progression of things, you know, that led up to that. Oh, maybe 12, maybe 12. I think I was like in the sixth grade or something. Yeah, I was very young. I mean, that's such, that's an early yeah. age to, well, the, well, to the, hear that song and to understand. Yeah, it was very, of that song. well, and I listened to it about 500,000 <laughs> times. <laughs> but it was really, I mean, and I think more when I listened to it the first time, it was almost like more about the tone, you know, and then you hear certain words and you're like, ouch. Like, that's how it felt. Like, it physically hurt when I heard it, you know. Here is a fruit for the crows to pluck, for the rain together, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rot, for the tree to drop. 
I think the thing that I try to understand, and I haven't figured it out, maybe you have a theory, mm-hmm. is like Nina Simone was an amazing musician. Mm-hmm. Like she played oh, yeah. piano and she sang and she had a crazy range. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new Fitzgerald is like the smoothest, most technically the most perfect. Per- exactly. Like, she can <laughs> there sing. There is no one better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I should hate you, but I guess I love you. You've got me in between the devil and the deep blue sea. Billie Holiday. Tiny range. Tiny range. Very, actually, virtually no range. Yeah, literally. Mm-hmm. She can't sing that many notes. She's not like, and and for that reason, she's not flashy, but just like her her whole demeanor was always very low key. Uh-huh. And yet, I feel like she, of all the jazz singers, she is the queen of jazz. I don't know why, but I'm feeling so sad. Love a man, oh, where can you be? She's the queen, and, and I and I try to figure out why. Because yeah. everyone feels it. It's like what? Because you think uh-huh. it's about all these other things, but right. then like it's that ineffable thing that, that she could get across. Like how I guess, could yeah. she, she could break your heart in a million pieces? <sighs> she could break your heart while singing a happy song. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she was really. I think with Billy, and that is one of the anomalies of jazz because I feel like jazz purists get so caught up in technique it's got to be this it's got to you know you go to you know berkeley or you go to, it's, it has to be da, da, da. you know my band are so funny a lot of them went to berkeley too and they'll tell me they'll be like oh the worst thing you can do is go try to just educate yourself on exactly how to play the notes you know and that's why billy holiday was sort of countercultural when it came to to jazz but the reason she is the queen is because when she was she's countercultural now but when she was singing jazz people forget jazz is soulful you know what i mean and they i think a lot of times they'll equate it with technicality and not soul but it was soulful and it was her phrasing the way she chose so effortlessly to go in and out of a song you know what i mean the way she chose to change from one note to the next it was just all instinct them that's got shell them that's not shell so the Bible said, and it still is news. Mama may have, Papa may have, but God bless the child that's got his own, that's got his own. But so you were singing then when yes. you were in yeah. sixth grade mm-hmm. already? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When did you start singing? Um, I mean, I started singing probably when I was like, yeah, 10, 11 years old. And I started in church first. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it's funny because people are like, yeah, girl, gospel. I was like, nope, it was just contemporary <laughs> guitar, acoustic guitar, Christian praise band songs, you know, like. Like praise but, and worship Yeah, stuff? exactly. Praise and worship songs, you know, just very like, you know, kind of hill songs, but not really the what hill song is now. Yeah. 
So, you know, it was, it was just different. But still, I, I loved it. I loved singing in church, you know, and then I went to performance art school and I started singing. I did musical theater. I did, we had a choral ensemble there as well, too. And, and so, and, but I was dancing actually a lot at that point, like a lot more than I was singing. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I danced for like 20 years. Really? <laughs> don't ask me to do it now because <laughs> I, I don't know if I have any. Let me see. Were you writing that young? Was that something you were interested in? Or were you mostly just like, I just nope. want to sing? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I want to sing. And I got to figure out how to get some song like Strange Fruit because I do not want to write it. You know, at that point in my life, I was so moved by what I was listening to. But I didn't really have a story like that. You know, not yeah. that I thought, not that I thought I had or different experiences, but I didn't know how to translate them and put them in, you know. And But I started writing probably when I was like... 16 you know and, mm -hmm. and it just was out of necessity like no one was there to write for me you know I'm like I just want to sing and I just want to you know but I'm so glad I did start then because now it is something that is so cathartic and so I love it you know it really it gives me a place to sort of empty out all every all of my thoughts all of my everything that's moved me or hurt me or or the hurt I inflicted on other people, like it gives me such a place to purge. You know, I don't think I saw that value when I was like 15 or 16, you know. Now right. I love it. But back then I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what rhymes with and? <laughs> but when you did start writing songs, did you kind of like start from a from like a strange fruit place or did it take you a while to get there? Did you start from a place of like, if I'm going to write it, it's going to mean something and it's going to You know, it's funny. I actually, when I first heard her, I loved it. It was amazing. By the time I got like 17, 18 and I graduated, people said, well, you got to do straight ahead pop and R&B to make it. And I, at that point, for me, it was just hungry and I wanted to make it and I wanted to be famous. Like my mind was not right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so... So um, for me, it wasn't, you know, and so when I was writing songs, I would write songs of heartbreak, you know what I mean? But basically trying to write, I don't know, whatever was on the radio at the time, you know. And then f I did it for a few years. I, I did it. And, and, and after a while, it just kind of felt unfulfilling for me. You know what I mean? It just was like, I feel incongruent, like I'm not where I'm supposed to be, you know. And so I went to a friend's studio, in, which is in Tierra Santa in San Diego, and he was playing me different records, and I was like, oh, you know, I just was tired. I was like, oh, gosh, you know. Yeah. And he's always like, oh, listen to this. And he plays me this swing, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, like it was like my body automatically came back into alignment and was like, that's what you want, you know, that jazz swing, that's what you need. And so I wrote a song that was Call Me By Name, and that was really the first song that I wrote that was genuinely about my experience in music and in being the song was really, it was called Call Me By Name because it was saying, you're gonna, next time you see me, you'll call me by name. It, it literally fresh off of a conversation with someone who was being so, who's sort of down talking me and berating me. And so that was the first song that I was like, you know what? <laughs> this song's for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that moment really changed everything for me. I started incorporating back into it the jazz and the soul music that I loved growing up and R&B that I loved and that I learned in school. And so I just started to cultivate it. And it was like, okay, I feel like I'm back home now, you know? Yeah. So. And how nice that like your intuition of, or like that feeling yeah. is being born out as like a truth. Like, yes, absolutely. It is the right thing for you to be doing because yeah. you do it and people connect with it. And yeah. That, like and the, it's, but it is, it is, it was the truth. That was really where I was always meant to be, you know? And so it just, it, and it's funny because I would try to sing and felt like I was singing my butt off, but it wouldn't connect. People would be like, ah, there's just no feeling in it. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know? And everything changed from that moment forward, you know. So when you started writing songs, were you actually kind of meant it and you meant what you yeah, said? And no, like, absolutely. 
like you were talking about earlier in the Studio in a sec- session, mm-hmm. that you really think that conviction is the most important oh, 100%. Like, ingredient to anything. Like, yeah. 100. When you started writing with conviction, then you were like singing with conviction. And yeah, that's what changed everything. And at the time, my attitude toward it was changing too. You know, before it was like, I want to do this just to get famous. And then, you know... God just stopped me. It was like, yeah, I have. There's, I gave you this gift for a reason. It's not just to serve yourself; it's to serve other people. And so, that changed me, you know. And that was so. I was changing emotionally, you know, vocally, going back to what I knew, you know, musically, spiritually, you know, and and that whole thing with that conviction was really what changed everything. That's when the Stevie thing happened, and you know, it's just it's crazy. Had you walked away from your faith? at all i mean it sounds like you grew up in the church yeah i basically i you know i grew up we went to a methodist church when i was young and then it was in my mind i was always like oh i believe you know i believe but it was like you know i believe but i want to you know i really don't want to pay attention to you right now because i want to go do my own thing and i want to you know and it was just you know i was in a relationship with someone for like eight years and i cheated on them you know all the time it was just it was about me you know what i'm saying just doing different drugs. I was never heavy into drinking like that, you know what I mean? But dealing with promiscuity and, and you know, all that. So it was just kind of like, I was just in a different frame of everything was about myself and so kind of glorifying myself. And it was such an empty, empty place to be. And it's funny. I tell people, I say the moment that I not quit on my dreams and what I wanted, but the moment I got to a place of surrender where, you know, my music was shifting. I got to a place of surrender and I was just like, you know what, God, if you want me to do this, okay, if you want me to be a teacher, I'll be a teacher. You want me to be on the corner and panhandle, but to just love you and proclaim you, that's what I'll do. And so as long as I don't lose that relationship and that foundation, you know, that then, and it was like that moment of surrender. He was like, now, you know what I mean? <laughs> now, this is, what, this, this is the moment, you know, now I was like, oh. Do you, is, do you think that your spirituality helps you connect with yeah. audiences because oh, you are trying to be like yeah of service yeah i think the, the the purpose now is outward and it's not just for myself you know what i mean and and i think that's exactly it you know it's i always tell people for me the lord is the means and the end you know and so it's like it's where all the inspiration comes from where the songs come from where every the purpose comes from and it's why i do it at the same time and so i think that you know no matter what people believe that always resonates there's always that piece of them that that resonates with them and I I used to tell at my label say be sexy you know this is really sexy and I would say I don't want to connect with people's sex I want to connect with their spirit like when you do that then you know what I mean then you're impacting and you're changing things and you know turning over you're doing that Billy Holiday thing you're (laughs) connecting with someone's spirit you're like talking to (laughs) someone she did with me oh my gosh she sure did she just grabbed me rattled my cage oh my goodness crazy and I rise up, I rise like the day. I rise up, I rise unafraid. I rise up, and I do it a thousand times again. You. And this is Rise Up by Andrew Day from her record Cheers to the Fall. This is the same song that affected so many of us when Andrew Day performed it live on KUTX. And it did exactly to the studio audience what Billie Holiday did to a young Andra. It was music that was so powerful that it made us stop and see and feel. We actually captured Andrew Day's performance of Rise Up from Studio 1A. And 
We put it on View House, which is where stations like KUTX and KEXP and KCRW put their best live performance videos. So I'll share that video on the This Song page for this episode so you can feel what we all felt in that room when she sang for us. And Andrew Day, she's going on tour in the fall, so I'll also share her tour dates, and maybe you can see her in person when she comes to your town. Before we go on, I want to take a minute and ask that if you liked hearing Andrew Day talk about all that she talked about, then please click over to iTunes and become a This Song subscriber. That way you'll get future episodes with people like Soak or Eric and Brian from Blitz and Trapper delivered right to you. And next week, we actually won't have a new episode. So while you're subscribing, you could check out our archive. I mean, you could hear Leon Bridges talk about how he was inspired to become a musician by hearing a Gary Clark Jr. song on the radio. And then you could hear Gary Clark Jr. talk about how the Tupac song Crazy changed his life and still informs his music today. And also while you're there, we'd love a rating or a review because ratings and reviews, they both help people find the podcast and they help the This Song team's podcasting souls. We love to know that people are listening. Okay, now Adia Victoria. She is a Nashville-based singer and songwriter who plays, and this is her term, back porch, blues, swamp, cat lady, howling at the moon. <laughs> like, that's such a good genre description. She's been compared by a lot of people to one of my favorite artists, PJ Harvey, because, like Harvey, she uses the American blues as a starting point for music that is darkly honest. She came to KUTX to perform in Studio 1A, and afterwards, she sat down with me and told me about a song and an artist that helped her achieve that kind of honesty, both with her own self and with other people. So here she is, Adia Victoria. say probably the song that kind of blew my brain open was Fast As You Can by Fiona Apple. Fast as you can, baby, scratch me out for yourself. Fast as you can. Fast as you can, baby, scratch me out for yourself. Fast as you can. It's off her second album, Win the Pawn, and it's a very percussive song, and it's it talks about her... Um, being unstable within a relationship with a man, basically warning him, like, you need to get away from me. And I thought that her execution of it was, it's like basically like a, a poem. She, I don't even know if she's really singing. She's kind of like rapping almost in a way. Um, but she's so um, vivid with her imagery and the way that she uses the rhythm of the words, it just drives the song. It's got this really great piano line. It just sounds like her stomping in a way, like, dun, 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 dun. And she's just like rattling off all of these like reasons for why this guy needs to like get out of town, like away from her. I let the beast in too soon. I don't know how to live without my head on his throat. I fight him always and still. Oh, darling, it's so sweet. You think you know how crazy, how crazy I am. And like, I found that song when I was 16 and I never had a boyfriend, but I was just like, yeah, like this is how I feel. Fast <laughs> as you can, baby, run free yourself up as fast as you can. 
remember how you found that song? I found that song while I was in um, my friend's Pontiac. We were driving around after ballet class, smoking cigarettes, and she asked if I knew Fiona Apple, and I hadn't heard of her yet, and she put her on, and immediately I was just completely in love. I was like, whatever it is you're about, I'm on board. I'm there. And is that when you heard the song, like, in the car, smoking yep. cigarettes? Oh, yeah, just the thing? rebelling against ballet class I don't know <laughs> just I don't know being like a teenager in a small town and like my world was so small but you know finding Fiona it was the first time that I heard a woman like who seemed so righteous in her anger and as a 16 year old girl like there's so much to be angry about and everyone's telling you to be cute and wear Abercrombie and she was just like this this force of nature I was just like that's what I want to be when I think of it my fingers turn to face I never did anything to you, man No matter what I try, you beat me with your bitter lies So call me crazy, hold me down, make me cry Get off now, baby It won't be long till you be lying left in your own hands At that point, did you feel apart from the people around you? I did. I think I felt... What I mostly felt was that I would never be content with what my small town was preparing me to be. And apparently was preparing me to want to achieve and become. And, you know, I didn't want to go to college and then move back and start a family. Like, I felt like I was pushing back against all of that. And a year later, I would have, I will have dropped out of high school. I don't know if that was the proper tense. But I just knew, like, I wanted to get as far away from that as I, as I could. What was it about that life that, like, wrangled you? Was it just the thing of recognizing, like, I don't see myself in that at all? Or... I guess, yeah, really, that's the question. Like, There is no mystery left to it for me. I already saw everyone around me doing it. Mm -hmm. I saw, you know, the people who are like 10 years older than me coming back and then moving to the suburbs and raising their family and then putting them into elementary school and the cycle just, you know, I'd seen it from start to finish and I knew what it entailed. And I just like, there's so much more out there that I don't know. And I just wanted to like fling myself into the unknown. So when I heard Fiona, I saw what she was doing with her art and her poetry, and I was writing poetry at the time, and I was like, that's my out. This is, like, this is it for me. It's art that's going to get me out of here. Oh, wow. And But you weren't playing music at the time. No, I was dancing, and I was writing. And then did you go home and, like, I mean, were you writing that kind of poetry at the time? Were you? I wasn't then, but I was afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of poetry were you writing before? Or were you actively writing? Did you see yourself as an artist or did you see that path? No, I mean, I think I was just writing my, my day-to-day life. Uh, but there there was a musicality missing in my poems, I feel like. And then I saw what Fiona was doing, melding like poetry and songs together as one to this her own thing. And I was like, I could do that like it it felt like hip-hop to me it felt like you know you didn't even need any music to accompany it like you could just go and spit a poem and that was it you're a rock star yeah yeah (laughs) and do you think that at being a dancer do you think that that like musicality I mean it was something you were already kind of in right did Fiona Apple kind of bridge did she bridge that divide between like rhythm and dancing and body and art well, and poetry? If you've ever seen her live, um, she's very physical and her words, they seem like they possess her. And she just like, she just 
lets them. And she, I don't know, I, I just I get like chills just like you talking are, about her. Yeah, I'm just like thinking about Fiona Apple and shivering. You can't actually see it, but she's actually like shivering and holding herself as if it is freezing. And I, I always felt like when I did um, modern dance specifically, I was trained in modern dance as well. Like, I felt like I could just pour like expression in the way that like, my body moved. And I felt that with Fiona as well. Like I felt that it was very, it was a very physical um, process for her writing these songs and performing them. So yeah, I guess it did. It kind of like blended that world together for me. I'm a tulip in the cup Stand no chance of growing up. I'm designed to sail on the roof. In the wake of tales of you, I root for you. I love you. You, you. How old were you when you, when you brought music into it? I was 21. I was living in Atlanta. I was working as a telemarketer. My best friend, Jennifer, decided to try her hand on the West Coast, so she packed her car and she left me a guitar and was like, you can have this if you want. And I was like, okay. I'd never picked up a guitar before, and I just immediately fell in love with it. It became like my own little world. And it was very important for me because I could set goals and accomplish them, accomplish it on my own, like with nobody else. So it was a sense of like self-fulfillment and self-validation. And I just became completely obsessed. Like every day I would practice scales for like one tally of time, which was like 10 minutes. And I would like have all these tallies. And then I had like all of these like white erase boards with all these tallies on them around my apartment. And I would just sit and like go crazy. Just. Wow. So yeah. you seriously fell in love with the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Did you fall in love with playing the guitar or did you fall in love with songwriting or did they both kind of happen at the same, same time? time? I really? learned the first chords. I learned A minor, E a major and E minor. So I wrote a song with those four chords. It was my first song called Caravan. Oh, wow. So that was like learning the guitar for me. It, it wasn't just like learning other people's stuff. I was learning it in my own way. If you were attracted to Fiona Apple and her type of musicality and the way that she was able to kind of like express herself, which is a really lame way of what I'm to describe what I'm trying to say, like the way that she was able to convey her emotions to other people in this very like physical, very like you could feel it and you could tell she was feeling it way. Mm -hmm. When you started writing, did you find yourself approaching music that way? I think when I started writing, it was from a place of necessity because I didn't feel known to anyone. I felt I felt isolated and it was a very troubled. It was a very troubled time for me. I was 21, living alone in Atlanta, and just felt completely isolated. So when I picked up the guitar and I started playing, it was the first time that I was able to tell my story, to, to even speak it out loud, like parts of myself that I never even discussed with myself. But when I found music and the ability to play, yeah, it just all came alive for me. And I was like, it, it allowed me to feel for the first time. And... I hope that comes across like when I perform and, and in my songs, but it, it's literally me just being like, here I am, I exist. Like I'm, I'm somebody too, and this is my story. Were there parts of you that you felt like you, you weren't allowed to access without music then? Like to truly, cause you said you, you felt like you really were allowed to feel for the first time. Do you think that there were parts of you that you were suppressing or that you just couldn't access? I think that growing up in the church, it kind of, it took my humani 
be away from me in some ways. I think that it, it I was scared of my own human experience because in my mind, I was thought if I felt this, if I think this, then I'm going to go to hell. So I was like, well, it's better that I just don't think anything and I don't do anything. I just remain neutral and I'm just, you know, and even as I got older and I decided, you know, to explore agnosticism, whatnot, like that still was in me, that foundation of being scared of my human experience. So I didn't really have access to just go and like have a conversation with someone about these feelings that I had, you know, but with music, it was a it seemed like a lot less threatening when it was manifested as song mm -hmm. other than just me telling someone like this is how I feel but when I could do it in a way that was artful then it wasn't so scary it was like a workaround for your soul almost yeah like <laughs> like you had conditioned yourself not to feel certain things in order to avoid uh, internal damnation yeah which is a big consequence yeah um but then when you but it was like your your mind didn't have a block against music. Exactly. And so you were able to get there that way. Exactly. Wow. And you were you were raised Seventh-day Adventist? Yeah. I was raised in the church. Uh, the school that I attended for the first 10 years of my life was attached to the church. Oh. So my world was very small. But we had choir when I was a little girl. And I always was the soloist. And I remember that feeling of power of standing in front of the church and, and singing these stories to people and just kind of like the spiritual connection that I had with people, even as like a five, six, seven year old. I recognized the power of music, of singing versus speaking, like what that represented. And it allowed me to connect with adults and with the kids around me. And it also gave me a sense of power and authority, like agency, like you're going to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I'm very grateful that I had that experience in the church as a little girl because I think it planted a seed in me that didn't bloom for another 15 years but it was there I remembered and this I don't expect you to have an answer for this but I've we've done a lot of these podcast episodes and we've talked to a lot of people and one of the things that we talk about a lot is kind of the intangible nature of what of what music is mm -hmm. how it can reach people on an emotional level without words in a way that nothing else really can absolutely and you were kind of talking about singing and how and how it made it, it was diff it's different than talking it's different than like telling someone getting up and singing in front of people is a different thing and I, i'm just interested to know if you have any theories about what it is about music that that may that gives it that difference and I, you may not have an answer and it's okay i think that it has something to do with the rhythm and like tied to like the beating of my heart like that's an internal rhythm that everybody has that our whole like existence is set around the beating of your heart that rhythm inside of you it's what babies you put on music and the babies will start moving to it it because it it's an internal connection it's something so deep and like inherent intrinsic to you that you it's beyond your control and i think that's one of the reasons why music is so heavily censored it is so heavily packaged because it is such a powerful medium for human beings to relate to one another so i think that's why pop music looks the way it looks now is that you have to control what these people are relating to and what I want to do as an artist is I want to it, just do away with that and let people know, like, if you want to listen to me, you're going to hear some things that may not be comfortable, but they're going to hit you. Say you're looking for something to make you feel new. You don't believe in God, ha! Risky review. Say you're looking for something to make you feel new. You don't believe in God, well, risky review. Yes, whiskey will do.
This is Dead Eyes by Adia Victoria, a song that we play all the time around here at KUTX. And like, again, yay, we started off talking about a song and ended up talking about the role of religion in her life and how she got started and why music moves people. That's like always what I want to talk about. I'll share the View House videos we captured of her studio in a performance to the This Song page for this episode. And... Adia Victoria is also going on tour. She'll be out in the late summer and the fall, and I'll share those dates with you too so that you can find out when she's coming to your town. And I just want to say how thankful I am both Andra and Adia took time to talk with me about music and be so open about their thoughts and like answer my questions about Billie Holiday and about why music is more emotionally powerful than anything else. I personally get so much from making this podcast, and it's these conversations that really energize me in my own life and work. So, ladies, thank you. And that's it. We have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9, This episode was produced and edited by Jack Anderson, David Sanger, and me, Elizabeth McQueen, with help from Art Levy. Cliff Hargrove recorded the Andra Day interview, and I recorded the interview with Adia Victoria. Taylor Wallace curates our Instagram and does a fabulous job, so go check out our handle. It's at the song KUTX. William Maxwell is our incredible intern. Thanks to Peter Babb and Deidre Gott for all their help on this podcast. And yes, our theme song is Mahout. It's pronounced Mahout by Austin's own excellent hardproof Afro beat. They have a new live record out on Jim Eno's public hi-fi label. So I'll post a link to that on the This Song page so you can hear more hardproof. You can email us at thissong at ktx.org or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at This Song KUTX. You can like us on Facebook and you can subscribe to This Song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Minor Notes, Song of the Day, and Austin Music Minute on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said, while you're there, we would love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.